Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. A wonderful, wonderful, happy Mother's Day to you, all you mothers, and those of you who are um, mother-like and mothering people in your life. And I don't want to ever forget those that are, while maybe you yourself that don't have biological children, you have people that you're loving on a week-to-week basis. And I never want to forget those individuals as well. Um, There are always people in our lives that have impacted us. Raise your hand if you've ever been impacted by someone that is not blood, right? And so look across the room for a moment. You realize very quickly that there are people being impacted by those that are not blood relatives. You're being impacted by people that have made a decision to to follow Jesus in such a way or to just be uh, be a mother, mothering type of person in your life. And I know for me, I have a beautiful, loving mother who I want to say happy Mother's Day to live. I'm going to have the microphone. So good morning and happy Mother's Day to my mom. Um, she's, uh, she's absolutely a gem. And I love you, mother. And I'm so sorry I can't hug your neck today, but I will make up for it next time I see you. So prepare yourself. And to all the motherly individuals in this room today, I appreciate you. And we at Freedom believe that you have a purpose and a plan, and God, uh, God is the author of that. Amen? There was um, a teenager who, um, who didn't want to be seen in public with her mother because her mother's arms were terribly damaged. Um, It was disfigured even. Her mother never told her why her arms were the way they were. Uh, One day when her mother took her shopping and reached out her hand to give the clerk payment for what they were purchasing, um, the clerk looked horrified for a moment, and the little girl was, um, the young lady rather, was kind of horrified in that uh, she kind of ran out the store and began crying because she was very shaken by her mom's, you know, very marred arms and hands and and understandably hurt the mother waited some time before talking with her and they got back to the house and sat down and and the mother decided to tell her daughter what happened she never told her what happened to her arms and what had taken place and the mother proceeded to tell the daughter this when you were a baby I woke up in a to a burning house your room was an inferno flames were everywhere I could have gotten out the front door, but I'd rather die with you than leave you to die alone. I ran through the fire, wrapped my arms around you. Then I went back through the flames. My arms were completely exposed to the fire. When I got outside on the lawn, the pain was agonizing, but I looked at you, and all I could do was rejoice that the flames had not touched you. Stunned, the daughter looked at her mother with a different set of eyes at that moment. Realizing that her flaws were her gain. Weeping in shame and gratitude, she reached over to her mother carefully, grabbed her hands, and began to kiss them and hug her mother like she never had before. Friends, I want to take a moment and celebrate the mothers who have walked through fire for their children and people that have walked through fire for others that they care about. And 
Today, I want to open this message with a thought here, and this may not be a typical passage uh, for Mother's Day morning, but I would like you to turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. I, I want to bring a message this morning entitled, The Woman God Chooses. The Woman God Chooses. As I give you a moment to reach into Matthew chapter 1, I want us to understand something. Matthew chapter 1 has unbelievable gems in this passage. And I want to share that a little bit with you this morning, if I can do so. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, and it reads like this. The historical record of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Everybody say Tamar. Tamar. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Abinadab. Abinadab. And Abinadab fathered Nashon. And Nashon fathered Salmon. And Salmon fathered Boaz by none other than, say it with me, Rahab. Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered King David, and then David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife. Now, we can look at this passage, and I bet this morning that we're wondering why we're going to a passage like this. Now, let me uh, start by saying exactly what I need you to understand this morning is this. Men, women, boy and girl, this message is for you. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you have an XX chromosome, XY chromosome, it does not matter where you come from, your ethnic background, your age, your color, your, your, your economic status. Everything applies to everyone in this room and everyone online and everyone listening to this podcast. It applies to you. And let me explain why. Because many times on Mother's Day, we often read passages, and some of these passages may include portions of Proverbs 31, right? Some of you that have been in church long enough, you're saying, I've heard 37 sermons on Proverbs 31, maybe even 31. But now, let me be very clear. I love Proverbs 31. In fact, what I want to do uh, is I want to I let you know that Proverbs 31 is a great passage. It's God's word. It's something for all women to look at. But if you're familiar with the passage... That chapter is a little bit of a depiction of the biblical model that God has put out for women. Now, how many know that a biblical model isn't something that we've all, we all have in our lives already? Right? It's a model to look at. So let me read this passage, just a, a few verses. Can I do that this morning? So Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 15. Who can find a capable wife? I can't. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will not lack anything good. I like it. I like this passage. <laughs> she rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax. She works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from far away. I like food. 
She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her servants. Let's move to verse 22. She makes her own bed coverings. Her, cloth, her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates. Where he sits among the elders of the land, she makes and sells linen garments. She, she delivers belts to the merchants. Leisha, you need to check that out, to sell belts. Just write it down. Strength and honor are her clothing. She can laugh at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Not a great passage. So much to look at. And, and some of you are going, I've never dealt with flax. Really, God has to work with me. I don't know what that means. But here's what the passage is trying to say. There is a nobility and there is a, a goal for us to reach. And this is a picture of that. But I don't know about you, but I, I, I like what... Um, Liz Curtis Higgs one time said of the woman, she says, the ideal woman described 2,500 years ago in Proverbs 31 is still intimidating sisters ever since. Isn't that right? This woman has been intimidating women for thousands of years. There's some of you that go, oh God, I can never be that. I can never do that. O.S. Hawkins went a step further, and I want to put this quote up on the screen here. O.S. Hawkins said this, this woman, this wonder woman, by the way, gets up before dawn and stays busy until the early hours of the next morning. We have developed a mental image of her. She has the looks of a movie star, the domestic abilities of a master chef, the stamina of a world-class athlete, the intelligence of a professor with a PhD and the tenacity of a political operative, the wisdom of a godly missionary, the sensitivity of Mother Teresa, the business sense of a Fortune 500 executive, the grace of an adequate expert, and the spirituality of Virgin Mary. Wow. 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 This is what we expect of all women. Well... Let me leave this last part, and before someone throws something at me, let me put this last part in here. Because at the end of that, he concludes this. No wonder so many mothers leave church feeling down on Mother's Day. Listen, no one expects you to be perfect, mothers. You have done so much already. But understand this, that this comment caught my attention it caught my attention because this is the birthplace of the question that we have to ask. So what about all the mothers that are asking the question, what if I don't quite measure up? I want to talk to you about the woman God chooses. Because you could feel like, man, I can never measure up. I can never do this. I can never do Can I tell you something right now, right now? Let me tell you this. God is not judging you by this. We should aspire to do things. But God is not judging you if you're not this. We are. I thought I'd get some more amens on that one. I, I wasn't sure. But I was pretty sure. God does not judge you by this. Okay, okay. I want to make sure the mic is on. 
Maybe you ask the question, is there any hope for me, Pastor Tony? And not just mothers, but everyone. See, we all have times and circumstances in our lives that we can ask the question, is there hope for me? Raise your hand if you've ever asked that question. Is there hope for me? You mess up, is there hope for me? You mess up, you think to yourself, is anyone going to ever understand me? Some of you have been married long enough where you could ask that question now. Does my spouse even get me yet? Well, God can and will use any vessel he wants to use. And I want to tell you, you don't have to meet this criteria to be used by God. So let me rest assured here this morning that we're not causing you to sit down with a piece of paper and check off all the items that you are. That's not what we're doing this morning. In fact, I want to go a little different direction. I want to talk about for a few moments in the text today, there were four individuals that were mentioned in the text I just read in Matthew chapter 1. So what about these four women in Matthew chapter 1? Let me give a synopsis of each of these four real quick. Can I do that? Good, because I was going to do it. Tamar. Tamar, these are the four individuals. Tamar, we find her story in Genesis 38. Now, let me tell you that there is not a soap opera that can ever be put on television, even Telemundo, even the Lotto. Hello? La Noticia. Some of you are like, what is happening right now? Is he speaking in tongues? No, but follow with me. There's not a soap opera on television that can, that, can, can, that can top this, that can tell a tale worse than this one. Here is the condensed version. Here we go. Tamar is the daughter-in-law of the 12 sons of Jacob, Judah. Tamar was married to Jacob's first son, Er. Er died without Tamar having a child. Tamar is then given to Judah's second son, Onan, who in order to carry out the custom of the day, that is the father of a child with her, Onan died. Judah is then concerned that his third son might die, so he does not allow that marriage. So without child, after Judah's wife dies, Tamar does the unthinkable. Watch this. For those of you that haven't read this, you can read it on your own time. She dresses like a prostitute and, pro and propositions her father-in-law. This is... <laughs> Who says the Bible is not exciting? <laughs> Didn't say it was good story. It was just the... Different one. Stay, stay with it. Stay with it. She dresses like a prostitute and, propo and propositions her father-in-law. He takes her up on the offer and she bears a son. One word describes Tamar's story. Here we go. Desperate. Tamar equals desperate. Often our desperation causes us to make bad decisions. Raise your hand if you ever were desperate and made a bad decision. Okay, the rest of you, God bless you, and you lie. <laughs> Great, I went to church this morning. Pastor told me about a prostitute and that I'm a liar. How's your day? <laughs> Moving along quickly before something gets thrown to me. Tamar, that's Tamar. Tamar made one, she made an event become a legacy. Rahab, 
second woman in Matthew chapter 1 is Rahab. We find her story in Joshua chapter 2. In Rahab's house, uh, that is used by the spies to scout out the land in Israel before entering. Now Tamar was a one, uh, she was a, a one time a prostitute, but Rahab, when she met uh, when we meet her in Joshua chapter 2, is a full-time prostitute. In fact, that's how she, des- she was described, Rahab the prostitute. Oftentimes in Scripture, you'll find these descriptions of occupations in a person. Matthew is a tax collector, for example. We look at different people throughout Scripture. Rahab is identified here. In Joshua, we don't even learn that she had children. But now we learn that not only did she have children, she gave birth to Boaz, who would marry Ruth. Rahab represents that kind of person who did not dodge her past and even to some of us our sketchy past. Even in Reformation and Repentance, someone or something is always there to remind you of your past. Raise your hand if you have a past. Raise your other hand if you know you have a future. Come on. We can look at the situation. Tell them I'll call them back. Tamar. Tamar and Rahab. We have two already down. Third one, Bathsheba. I'm sorry, no, let's go to Ruth. Let's go to Ruth. We are probably more familiar with Ruth's story. Some of you know Ruth's story. After all, the book is named after her. Ruth's story is a story of tragedy and failure. Famine leads to death of all the men in her immediate family. Her husband, her father-in-law, and brother-in-law. Tragedies follow as a devotion to her mother-in-law returning to the land of promise. But don't miss something here. Ruth is not an Israelite. She is from the land of Moab. Worse than being from the wrong side of tracks is being from Moab. Being from the wrong line of people. And Moabites were from a line that started in incest and were notoriously pagan and ungodly. Like the Moabites, some people cannot shake their roots. Ruth. Last one. Bathsheba. Now, the Bible talks about Uriah's wife. Bathsheba was her name. We later learn. We're probably most familiar with Bathsheba's story because she's known uh, by her sin of King David. Um, and that moving forward, her story is really the story of King David's sin. But it takes two people to commit adultery. And there you have it. Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, pens a genealogical record of Jesus and uses prostitutes and broken individuals. And I want to tell you something that three of the four have a very checkered past and God still names them and God still uses them and God still uses that line. What can we walk away from here this morning? And here's a conclusion of the four. There is hope for you and there is hope for me. I I want you to know something that mothers, you may not always realize it, But you're giving advice that is changing a life. And I got a video clip I want to cue for you here called Three More Weeks. And I want you to watch this video. Uh, Dad's a doctor. Yep. Mom's a nurse. Mm -hmm. Very respectable jobs. Yes. Were they at all worried about you doing something quite so vagabond as being an actor? Um, I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were very... Did they express their worry? Did they say, please don't throw your life away? No, I'm from one of those amazing families where I was leaving that theater school that I told you. Truly, my mom came to pick me up from that theater school after 16 weeks or something. And as soon as the car left the driveway of the school, I said, I'm moving to New York and I'm going to be an actor. And my mom paused for probably a half a second. She said, great, go do it. The only thing I ask you is in two and a half or three years, if you don't have any sense that this is going to happen, we used to fish as kids. So she was like, you don't get a nibble or a bite in two and a half or three years. 
you have to make me one promise. And I said, what? And she said, you got to pull yourself out because as your mother, you can't ask me to uh, tell you to give up on your dreams. And I said, that's so profound and yes, fair. Cut to two and a half years later, I was like, um, so I'm out. This is terrible. It's so scary. <laughs> this is the worst. Waiting tables, not as fun as they say. And she said, you know, it's September. Just wait it out. Just wait till the end of the year. Don't give up just yet. I was ready to, I was telling her to come get me. And, uh, In New York? Yeah. And three weeks later, I got the office. Wow. Yep. And that worked out. So, that worked uh, out. you know, I give her a lot of love and 10%. So, you know, yeah. she deserves it. So that's something. We got a little bit of audio difficulty there, but I don't know if you caught it. He says, I'm ready to come home. Come get me. And she goes, wait it out three more weeks. And it was then thereafter that he landed the biggest role of his life, which was Jim from the office. And so there are times in our life we don't realize our mothers are giving us food for our dreams. And so sometimes you don't realize the wisdom that is coming from your parents, and kids don't realize this. Kids don't. How many of you realize when you were a kid, you blew off your parents, you blew off ideas and thoughts, and then you realize later down the line, man, I really should have paid attention. Well, let me tell you what mama taught me. And here's some ideas that I came across that I think is worth talking about here this morning. What my, everybody say, what my mama taught me. My mother taught me religion. When I spilled grape juice on the carpet, she instructed, you better pray the sin will come out. You better pray that your sin will come out of the carpet. She taught religion. My mother taught me logic from her decisive words, because I said so, that's why. My mother taught me foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. It's insight. My mother taught me irony. Keep laughing and I'll give you something to cry about. My mother taught me stamina. You'll sit there till the spinach is finished. Or whatever, insert spinach, whatever. My mother taught me about weather. It looks like as if a tornado swept through your room. My mother taught me the circle of life. I brought you in this world. I can take you out. It's a circle of life. Don't ever do that again, Pastor Tony. My mother taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. My mother taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world that would love to have a wonderful mom like you do. <laughs> See, there's wealth of wisdom coming from parents. What my mama taught me. Now, we can easily look at situations and realize that there are spiritual truths that we're supposed to learn in life. And whether you grew up in a Christian home or from a Christian parent, your mom and dad were Christian, your mom and dad were not Christian. Listen, I want you to know there's some things that we can learn here this morning that will put everybody on the same page. Are you ready to hear it? Yes? Okay, so here's number one. If you're ready to write this down, this will be a great time to start writing. 
three spiritual truths about these four women in Matthew chapter 1. The first one is simply this. Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop comparing yourself to others. Now listen to me. I need everyone in this room to understand. I told you this in the beginning. I'm going to tell you again. This is for everybody. But especially mothers, especially women who feel like they have to hit this level of expectation that is beyond you. Can I tell you something? Stop comparing yourself to others. Here's the problem with comparing yourself to others. When you compare yourself with those whom you would consider better than, that may result in pride. It also can result in other things. When you compare yourself with those whom you consider to be less than, the result can be covetousness and envy. And either or, the comparison often leads to pain. Guard from the comparison trap. The, the term uh, comparison or comparison trap is defined as the habit of measuring your life against others. It's the one most toxic behavior we engage in, the grass is greener, is a wild misconception fueled by jealous evaluation. Now listen, this often leads to stress and anxiety. Can I tell you something? Those are not things God has for you. Stress and anxiety from comparison is a dangerous thing because nobody has to know about it. Oftentimes our sin are on display. Right? Things that you do wrong or you say wrong or you do that. Those are things that can be monitored and captured by a friend, a close somebody that you know. But this comparison trap, look at me, this comparison trap is nasty. And I'll tell you why. Because it lives between your ears. It lives between your ears. And what do you find between your ears? You see things differently. You think differently. You perceive things differently. And let, let me tell you something. If the grass is greener on the other side, just water your lawn. <laughs> Work on yourself. But don't compare because you compare and compete and you'll live in defeat. All the time, every single time. Somebody give praise to God. Yeah. Better yet, I'm going to tell you who to compare yourself to. Are you ready? Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. That's the only person you should be trying to get better than. The person you were yesterday. The outgrowth of comparison is jealousy, insecurity, and discontentment. If you try to beat the person you were yesterday, guess what? You can do that. I try to be better than I was yesterday. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I don't. The next day I get up and I go, you know what? I got to be better than I was yesterday. How many know that you can at least try that? Is that right? Yes. We could all try that. So if you're going to fight, you're going to fight anybody, fight your yesterday, man. Because today we want to draw closer to Jesus. We don't have a slide for this verse, but I want to share it with you anyway. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 reads like this. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Proverbs 14, verse 30. There is a sense of pride, arrogance, and envy, failure, shame, and guilt, all wrapped up that eat away at you. Because you compare yourself to somebody else. Some of you can't have a healthy marriage because you compare this person to the person you previously dated. 
Some of you can't have a decent, you can't work at your job in a decent manner because you think someone's going to cross you like they crossed you at the last job. And you can't work in a healthy environment because somebody hurt you somewhere. And so all of a sudden, you're working this comparison that is only defeating you. You're defeating yourself. And so insecurity attacks by crying, there are more than I and I am less. Are you hearing me? That comparison trap says, they are more than I and I am less. I am less. I am less. Until you become nothing. That is not God's will for your life. How many know that God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved? And that does not include you comparing yourself to that person and this person and that person. And I tell you what, right now, the reality is you have to stop comparing yourself to anyone else. Just be better than the person you were yesterday. Amen? Amen. So number two, stop allowing your past to control your future. Listen, let me tell you about the woman God chooses. He doesn't choose you just because of everything you've done in your life. He chooses you because he's put his spirit in you and he's given you purpose. Hello? His spirit lives in you. Man, woman, boy and girl. His spirit lives in you. If you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, his spirit lives in you. That's exciting news. I'm not just talking about the woman God chooses. I'm talking about the person God chooses too. He chooses people that choose to lean on the spirit of God that is within them. Guess what? If you feel like doing something really nice for someone, that's not your flesh and that's not the devil. He wants nothing to do with you representing God well. He wants nothing to do with that. So if you feel like doing something great for someone, don't hesitate. Just do it. It costs nothing to give hope and a smile. If you feel like encouraging, listen, how much does encouragement cost you? Zero. Encourage your neighbor. Encourage your, work, your workmate, someone that you work with. Encourage somebody. Say something positive. Why? Because oftentimes our past will, will, will cause us to be negative about our present. But guess what? If we start breathing life into other people, God continues to breathe life in you. How many get what I'm saying this morning? God wants to breathe life in you. And so watch this. Don't let your past paralyze you because your past is there in the past. See, if you confess your sin and claim God's forgiveness in your life, his righteousness will come and wash out your sin. If you accept him and understand him, let me tell you something. Don't let Satan remind you of your past. If he does, remind him of his future. Amen. All seven of you stand with me. You ready? <laughs> when Satan reminds you of your past, we can say, you know what? I rebuke you and God is with me. And you remind him, you lost Satan, you lost, and I win because I am covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? I just want to, listen, I just want to remind somebody, because some of you need reminded that we win. God has chosen you already. 
And because he chose you, he's equipped you. And because he's equipped you, he's given you all the right tools to conquer the enemy's lies in your life. But here's the problem. We often don't recognize those lies. Excuse me, those lies. We often don't recognize those lies because we sometimes get very lax in this. It's very difficult to identify lies when you don't know truth. It's very difficult to identify what is a lie when you don't know the truth. It is the truth that sets you free. Now listen, the one who died to provide us grace to be saved was born into a line. Watch this. In the line I just described, Jesus Christ, your Savior, was born on that line. Tamar, Ruth, Uriah's wife, uh, Bathsheba. And so we got, we got all these different lineages, all these ladies that are mentioned in this lineage. Not perfect ladies. They're not the woman that you, some of you think God would choose. But God did. So watch this. The third thought, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of put this in the capsule for you. The third thought is simply this. Start being the person God has called you to be. Look at me. Start being the person God has called you to be. Not looking at your past, not looking at your present. Just look to the God who created everything you see and say, God, I know that in my life there are times that I don't realize how amazing you are. Now listen, God's grace does not give us license to continue in sin. Rahab's story serves us a great reminder of this truth, yes? That's this. When we confront or we're confronted with the truth about the one true God, we look at Rahab's situation, for your God is the God of heaven above and on earth below. Now, I just, I just preached on uh, Rahab this past weekend, and, and it just, it really brings me to that place where I have to understand something that when you live at a place where you trust God it is a place of vulnerability everyone look at me have you ever felt vulnerable exposed and you're not comfortable with that because somebody might what hurt you betray you say something and expose you in a way you never can I, can I tell you something that is a prisoner mindset as believers we have to live vulnerable lives to him now listen I'm not saying you have to be vulnerable to everybody that comes your way somebody tells you some, a random person you know you're standing online at Walmart and somebody says hey how you, good? How are you doing good well let me tell you something I got this ingrown toenail right now it's just real like, I bet you that they did not ask that kind of information from you. You, you hear what I'm saying? I, 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 I kind of use humor, but we oftentimes, we feel like when we say that we have to be vulnerable, it means we have to be exposing all of our lives to everyone that comes in across our path. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm, I will say this, 
that unless you're vulnerable with somebody, you're not vulnerable with anybody, including God. So there's going to be moments in your life you're going to have to be vulnerable and say, you know what, would you pray for me about this? And if I was to give a poll right now, and I'm going to close in just a moment, but if I was to give a poll right now and say, how many of you have trouble asking for prayer? Let's say hypothetically, I was to give a poll like that. How many of you would raise your hand if that was you? Hypothetically, just hypothetically. Why? Because some, for some of us, that vulnerability is difficult. Would you pray for me about this? Would you pray for me? You know, I, I put in the call to a brother uh, recently, and he knows who he is. I put in the call to a brother recently, and I, I called just to check up on him. And on the turn of a, a turn of a coin, he asked me how my day was going. I called him to check out he's on a turn, on a whim, he asked me how I was doing, and he prayed for me. And I'm like, this was a whirlwind. But you know what? That meant a lot to me, and you know who you are, and I appreciate you. Sometimes we don't realize that there are other people going through things too. That vulnerability moment is not easy sometimes to ask. And I admit, I'm going to be honest with you, as a pastor, I sometimes hold back on some of that because I'm carrying many of your guys' prayer, praying for you. So anytime you, you come to me and you tell me, Pastor, I'm praying for you, can I tell you, thank you for every single time you've ever said that. Because vulnerability is not easy. And I'm one of those people. I don't typically like to ask for prayer and maybe you're one of those too can I tell you something we need to be careful we need to be able to be willing to ask someone to lift us up in prayer because there are times that we look at ourselves and we compare and we compare and we think for ourselves you know what maybe I'm not good enough maybe I'm not this maybe I'm not that but I want to tell you something I don't know about you but I when I get checked my mail I get these letters in the mail and they tell me I've been pre-approved. And I rejoice. Again, I say I rejoice. Because somebody has approved of me. And I run into the house with that letter saying, Leisha, Leisha, somebody pre-approved me. Okay. And then I tear it up, throw it in the trash. <laughs> okay, so maybe I don't run into the house. Yeah, anyway, some of you are like... So y'all need to pray for Pastor Tony. I heard he runs into the house and pre-approved. But can I tell each of you here today at the sound of my voice right now, you are pre-approved by God to receive his love, forgiveness, and grace. And no matter where you are in your walk of life today, I want you to know something. God chose you. God chose you. For every woman in this room, st stop trying to live up to his ex's expectations. Stop trying to be whoever else and just be you. Because that's who God called you to be. You are pre-approved. If you're in this room this morning, I want you to know something. His love for you is unending. And if you're in this room this morning, I want you to know something. 
that he uses surrendered hearts. Maybe you'll be one of those people that in that lineage that sometime a book will be written and they will say, the son of, and your name will be inserted. And that person changed the world. Can I tell you something? There's a legacy being built in your life right now. One of the most beautiful things that I can remember is hearing recently this thought that I don't know what is up on this next chapter of my life, which could be just today, but I know who holds the pen. God, the author, is writing your script. Trust. And don't try to take the pen from him. Hello? Let him write your next chapter. If everyone in this room can stand with me for a moment, just for a moment, and I try to cut the excess out of this message to give you exactly what God has for you, but one of the things I do want to tell you is this. If you're a mother in this room, if you're a woman in this room, and I want to address women because, men, your day is coming. Oh, your day is coming. That sounded like a threat. That was not right. But remind me to exit that in post. Yeah, take that out. If you're a woman that has dealt with comparing, competing, the comparison trap of being not a good enough daughter, not a good enough mother, not a good enough girlfriend, not a good enough wife, not a good... If you've dealt with that comparison trap and you've decided today to understand that you've been pre-approved, can I have you just lift your hand right now and say, Pastor Tony, would you remember me in prayer? We've all been there. That comparison trap is nasty. Now let me ask you this question. As you surrender your heart today, my prayer is that you would understand his love for you. So I'm going to ask you to do something for yourself more so than for me. Because if I get one, I get one. If I get more, then I get more. But if you're here this morning, I want to say a prayer blessing over every woman that wants to be used by God in her life. Whether you're, whether you're a mom or not, whether you're 15, 16, 36, or seasoned. If that's you, and you're saying, I want God to use me, because I've been caught in this comparison trap for some time, and I no longer want that to be a part of my life. I'm going to take 30 seconds and ask you to meet me right here at this altar, and I'm going to close in prayer in just a moment. Would you come? If you're saying, I don't want to live in the comparison trap anymore, any woman in the house, come forward. I'll wait. 